let's do it. All right. So I think I will. We'll see how it goes. But uh, I want to start by, by reading a story. It's a short story, and it's on the screen, and I invite you to read it with me. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy he went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had and bought it. So we know that these are parables. And that parables are stories that Jesus told to uh, his disciples and others that followed him to illustrate truth. Um, These, I believe, I didn't check, but I'm pretty sure, are the shortest of the parables. And it's really one parable kind of spoken twice. It's just a couple sentences there. Um, Jesus' amazing ability to communicate in just a short little thing. I mean, two sentences, so provocative, is it not? Really? I mean, is it not so provocative? He talks about the kingdom of heaven, and he says it's like a treasure or it's like a pearl, and it's of such great value that it's worth this person going and selling everything that they have to get it. Everything they have. Now, it makes you wonder, what what did he mean? What, What was it that Jesus, what was the truth? What is the kernel of truth here that he's trying to share with those people? What was he talking about? What is this kingdom that he said, you know, what is this kingdom you speak of, a wise one? What is this kingdom that is so valuable that he says it's worth selling everything you have to go and to get it back? This, this little story comes in the midst of a, a really a stream of parables all about the kingdom of God. And I believe, and, and here, this is really a, the culmination, and I'm not done yet, but of, of really 35 years of endeavoring to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus and live this life out in faith. And the longer I I walk down that road, and the longer, uh, the more I try to learn about what God's really saying, one of the conclusions I've come to is that the understanding of the kingdom of God is one of the most important things that a Christian can have. Maybe the most important. The understanding of how the kingdom works. And, and, And my concern is this, that very, very few Christians today, I believe, have any idea whatsoever about the kingdom of God. And it concerns me. A little bit. And so uh, I, what I want to do tonight is, uh, it'll be introductory. We won't finish uh, at all, but we'll start. Talking a little bit about the kingdom. And here's why, and this is actually what I'm, I'm going to do. I, I told you I was going to do this back, I think, right before Christmas. Uh, I, I want to begin a new series tonight and uh, dealing with vineyard values, actually. And, and uh, last year, 2010, the... Vineyard Church, the Vineyard Movement in the United States, really the leadership, the national board, the, the national director, uh, restated Vineyard values. They took 
what had been around for the last 25 years or so. And there had been various lists of 9, 7, 11, 13 values. And they condensed those, combined some, and sort of restated that. And, and I'll tell you, that that's the Vineyard USA website. Uh, I, would, I would encourage all of you over the next few weeks, if you have time, go on Vineyard USA. Uh, it, right on the front page, the home page, when you open it, it says five core values. Click on that. Look at the five values. There is a brief uh, sort of two or three, four or five paragraph introductory kind of statement on each of them. And then connected, there are also some articles that different uh, leaders across the country have written. And there are, uh, again, two or three or four articles connected to each of the five values. Uh, if you have time, read those. You might want to just do one at a time as we go over them. So take the, the, the first one in, in, on the kingdom and, and look at that and, and just sort of expand your understanding a little bit. But I want to tonight look at the first of those values. Uh, and here's the thing. I, I just felt like Vineyard doing that presents, uh, as a, a local Vineyard church, it presents a great opportunity for us to just sort of hit the refresh button, right, and, and kind of think through again. Who are we? What are we? What are we for? Why? Why are we sitting here? What? Is, what is the deal? You know, there's a lot of things we could be doing right now. So why are we here? What? What? What are we about? And and that's kind of what I want us to spend some time looking at and talking about over the next few weeks. And and my guess is, as things go, probably probably months. But um, I, I think I think it'll be good. I hope you'll enjoy it. So the first value, really, is. In, in my estimation, becomes somewhat foundational to the others. And the first value listed on Vineyard's website and, and that we want to talk about tonight, or at least begin talking about, is kingdom theology and practice. Uh, most of us are aware, maybe you're not, maybe I'm assuming some things that aren't, aren't accurate. Some, you, you, if you're not aware, I'll just tell you, all right, that the, theology is what someone believes about God. It's sort of your perspective. And in the... In the uh, in the Christian church, in the Orthodox Christian church, and when I say Orthodox, I, what I mean is not the, not the Greek Orthodox, the Orthodox or Russian Orthodox, but in the, in the main sort of part of the church. So excluding some sort of, you know, kind of fringe uh, cultic movements out here somewhere, in the, in the bulk of the Christian church, th- there are, you know, I, I don't know, uh, a lot of different theologies, different perspectives, different understandings, different, different sorts of um, uh, interpretations and applications of the Bible, and, and, and people look at that differently. So whether or not you know that, you know it because you go to different churches and, and things are done differently, you know, and, and it's, it, I love it. I love that. We're in this room right now doing what we do, and a few hours ago down the hall in that room was Christ the King Lutheran Church, and they do things differently than we do, but we, but we love each other, and we share space, and we, we pray together, and, and, and so, so it, my point is simply that there are different theologies. They intersect and overlap a lot of the time in different places. Sometimes they differ a little bit. Sometimes those differences um, can cause strife, cause division, uh, and sometimes, believe it or not, they cause people to say not very nice things about each other, which they shouldn't do, but they do. Um, Something I learned as a kid, and, and this is totally off the subject, but, you know, whatever, growing up, my pastor taught me, your brother is never your enemy. Your brother is never your enemy. And so in, in talking about 
kingdom theology, I, I will endeavor to do my best. Uh, and if I, if I fail, you know, somebody help me. To not discredit or, or be negative towards any theology that anybody else holds. I, I'm not going to take the time to compare those and look at them because it would be really, really boring, I think. Uh, I, I just really want to talk about who we are, what the vineyard is, and, and what, our, what, what kingdom theology really looks like and how that is applied in practice. And, and here I'll tell you this. The, uh, people will ask from time to time, maybe, I don't they ask you, they ask me, what is a vineyard? What is a vineyard church? What's different about it? What, what, what makes vineyard different than this or that church? And, and there are some things, and it's, sometimes it's hard to define those things. I would say this probably is one of the, the key distinctives of the vineyard church is kingdom theology. And so the thing that we'll talk about tonight and potentially, I suppose, next week as well will be uh, one of the key things that really makes a vineyard a vineyard, and, and, and that is uh, a, a kingdom theology. So let me give you a couple comments on the front end of this, and then we'll, we'll try to do something constructive. Uh, first thing is that uh, the, the value that we're looking at, and this is the way it's stated in your website, is kingdom theology and practice. And, and so theology is what you believe about God, but it's really much more than that. It's not just uh, for, for me and for the vineyard and for us, hopefully, a belief or a system of beliefs. It really, really is an active dynamic. It's a reality. It's, it's something that should, in every aspect of our life, guide how we walk out our faith. And I loved um, the word that came at the end of worship tonight, and you guys may not have heard, but uh, was something to the effect of you can take God's presence with you wherever you go. And the truth is, when we're talking about a theology and practice, uh, theology means nothing if it has no practice, okay? Let me just be blunt about that. This, this is not just what we believe, but it really is how we endeavor to live out our faith. Here's a little brief comment from our national director, Bert Wagner. This is actually from Bert's uh, article on the website, but I just clipped this one uh, little comment because I thought it, it fits so well. He says, Vineyard is informed by its theology of the kingdom, but is much more than theology. It is the manifest presence of the kingdom in the person of the Holy Spirit who exalts Jesus among us by signs and wonders. And, and so it's not just what we believe, but it, but it really is a, a reality. It's a dynamic. It's, it's a force that is, is within us as we seek to walk out our faith in, in God. Okay, second uh, little introductory comment. You're, you're going to hear two different terms tonight, uh, kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God. And you will read those in your Bible, and you may be confused at times. What does that mean? What are the differences? Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God are exactly the same thing. They are synonymous. They don't mean anything different. They mean exactly the same thing. This is why they are stated th- that way. Um, in, in Mark's gospel, Luke and John, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, it says exclusively the kingdom of God. They use only the kingdom of God. Um, Matthew prefers the term kingdom of heaven, but sometimes switches it up and says kingdom of God. And this is why. Matthew was a Jewish convert to Christianity and was speaking and writing primarily to a Jewish audience. And in the Old Testament and in, in Jewish the Jewish tradition, the name of God was so revered and held in such 
awe and, and as so sacred that, and you, you'll know this if you kind of study the Old Testament, but it, it, was, it was forbidden to even speak the name of God. So like Yahweh and some of those names, those were not really the name of God. Those were sort of condensed versions so that they could have a word, like a code word to say in place of God. So understanding that, Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience. He does not want to offend them. He's culturally sensitive to those he's writing to. And says, well, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to put somebody off and, and 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 kind of offend them by doing something that they wouldn't do. So instead, I'll just use a different term. Now, here's a little side note on this: is I think that it's, it's it's helpful to understand that even those that wrote scripture were culturally sensitive. And and as and as we seek to communicate who God is to people today, I think it's important that we sometimes be culturally sensitive, that we don't step on people's toes just because. Take the time to understand and know who someone is and where they're from and what they're about and, 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 and be willing to uh, help them understand who you are and where you're coming from without being offensive. I think sometimes, a little bit, Christians can sort of uh, be offensive almost intentionally in sharing the gospel. And I think, wow, I don't know if that's helpful. So, so it's encouraging to me to think that even Matthew here is sensitive to his audience, but the point is simply this, that kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven are one and the same. So when you hear those terms, and you'll see tonight, uh, and if you read through the gospel accounts, that, that Matthew uses kingdom of heaven, the, the, the other guys don't. So the kingdom of God, first and foremost, is the hope of God's people. All right? The hope of God's people. The prophet Isaiah... Hundreds of years before Jesus has a, a vision and, and he, he sees and he hears uh, from God of God's heart and God's purpose. And he knows it's, it's a future reality that someday will happen. And this is part of what he sees. He, the king, will judge between the nations. And he's not saying here, judge the nations, but he's saying, be an arbitrator. Judge between them. Help them make a decision. And he will settle disputes for many peoples. And they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. So Isaiah sees this image of a world in which there won't be war, where the implements of war will be so unnecessary that guys are saying, I don't need this sword, so I'm going to make a plow out of it so I can grow some corn. That's what he's seeing. And and it's, it's it's a powerful, hopeful image of the kingdom of God, and he's speaking to the nation of Israel who are a weary people. There are people who are tired of war, tired of bloodshed, tired of strife, tired of terrorism, tired of death, tired of living in a world that's so filled with that, and into that he speaks this hope. Anybody identify with that at all? Anybody get tired of reading about those things? Anybody wish somewhere there could be a world that exists in that way? And, and, and here, here's, here's the thing. It, it, it's, it's so incredible to me. The language, this is a little later, it's, it's not even just humanity, he says, that will come into harmony. It's the entire created order. Everything in the creation of God will come into order. He says the wolf will live with the lamb. 
The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion, and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. Entire created order will come together. I know some of you right now are thinking, what are we going to eat? And the vegetarians are going, see, we told you. We were right all along. Um, Well, I don't have an answer for that. Um, I will say this, though. In... in, uh, we are going to encounter uh, some theological questions tonight that won't have answers. Um, and I'm going to stick to talking about the kingdom and not go too far off on those. So you can ponder what we'll eat later, but the point is that the creation of God will come into a place of harmony and, and there will be uh, a, a world which is, I think, um, unlike any we've ever known, but really one that we've all longed for in our hearts. Okay, and uh, I read a tremendous book while we were on vacation. Uh, I don't know if you, any of you have ever read Simply Christian by N.T. Wright. But he talks about this. He says, what, what is the proof that there's God? And he says, it's the longing in your heart for truth and beauty and justice. He said, that's proof there's God. You don't need any proof beyond that. Because that's, that's bigger than you and I. And it's, and it's powerful. And that's what Isaiah is speaking. And that's always been the hope of God's people. And so there is this hope. There is this longing. And into that suddenly arrives Jesus. And Jesus comes and says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So understand, hundreds of years people have prayed. They've looked for. They've longed for this kingdom. This guy shows up and says, It's it's coming. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is real. The, the, the kingdom of God is upon you. The kingdom of God is in you. So uh, first thing we'll, we'll say tonight is that the, the kingdom is central to the ministry of Jesus. Everything that Jesus was about was connected to the kingdom of God. His entire focus was, was related to the kingdom of God. The much of his teaching was how we enter the kingdom. And that's another thing that we need to spend some time later talking about is, is that we, a lot of times you'll hear people say, uh, you know, we're, we want to build the kingdom of God. And, and I, I say that sometimes. I pray that sometimes. Uh, but it's really a mistake. It's really wrong. It's theologically incorrect. Um, because we don't build the kingdom. The kingdom is there already. We enter into it. Okay? And we'll define that as we go. But... Much of Jesus' teaching was centered around how we enter the kingdom. Uh, in addition, his works, not, not, not his teaching so much, but the things he did were, in fact, demonstrations of the kingdom. And we'll look at that a little bit. And the parables that he taught were teaching truth. that They were, they were giving kind of word pictures, truths of the kingdom. So, so there's all that. And then in, in addition to those things... Uh, maybe the most powerful uh, in the life of Jesus is that when he taught his followers to pray, he said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, what was it that Israel hoped for? What was it that Jesus spoke of? What was it that Jesus taught his people to ask for? Now, we don't live in a kingdom, right? 
culturally. We don't live in a kingdom. We don't, we don't have a king. So for most of us, it's a little bit of a foreign concept, right? It's hard to even imagine. When you think of a kingdom, when we think of kingdom, what do you think of? The tragic kingdom. I mean, magic kingdom. Um, most of us think of a place. Most of us think of a kingdom in terms of a location. And, and that, is, uh, that is going to make it more difficult for us to understand the kingdom of God. Because it is, in fact, not a place. When Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand, the kingdom of God is near, the kingdom of God has come, he's not saying that a location has come closer to you. And and when he tells the disciples to pray, pray for the kingdom to come, it's not like lost where they move the island, you know, uh, which would be nice, I guess. But it's it's really, he's not saying pray that my kingdom, this place, will come closer to you. He's really asking them to to pray for something altogether different. And and here's what he's asking them to pray for. This is what he's saying has come. This is what he's saying we enter into is the the rule of God, the reign of God, the the power of God, the authority of God in our lives. You know, let's just kind of hypothetically say there's, there's two kings, right? A good king and a bad king. So, when you live in a kingdom, you are under the rule, the authority of that king. And if you live in a kingdom with a bad king, let's say this is an oppressive king, and he's going to oppress his people, and he taxes them for things that they shouldn't be taxed for, and he treats them negatively and does bad things to them, they're under the rule of that king. And then you say you have a good kingdom and a good king, and the good king cares about his people. He loves his people. He wants the very best for his people. He wants to know that everybody in his kingdom has enough to eat. He wants to know Everybody in his kingdom has health care. Or that was probably not right. But um, my point is simply that um, the kingdom is the rule and authority. If you leave that kingdom, if it's a bad kingdom, you escape. If it's a good king, you come out from under the authority and the rule of that king. You may not have those benefits any longer. If you're outside somewhere and you come into that kingdom, all of a sudden the benefits of those, that kingdom is yours. You become a subject of the king. And, and that's what Jesus really is talking about. It, it, you know, as an example of that, here, there's one story in Matthew where there is a man that is demon-possessed. And this is another theological issue that we're not going to be able to explain tonight. We're going to stick to the kingdom. He's demon-possessed, and the possession has caused him to be both blind and mute. He cannot speak or see. And they bring the man to Jesus, and it says Jesus healed him. Then he could see and speak. And when he did that, the Pharisees, who were the religious people of the day, came to Jesus, and they said, well, it's by the power of Satan that you do this. And that's where Jesus makes the house divided speech. He says, I, if I cast out Satan by Satan, the house will... You can't do that. He says, but, but if it is the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So Jesus really identifies very powerfully and clearly that what, what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the kingdom is, is my power, my authority. My, my, the, the ruling dynamic of the king in your life. That's, that's what the, the kingdom of God is. And that understanding really is, is carried throughout all of Scripture. Psalms, uh, again, Old Testament, hundreds of years before Jesus, says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures 
through all generations. So dominion, power, authority, rule. Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And so it's, it's very clear that what we're talking about scripturally when we talk about the kingdom of God is the power of God actively working in a person's life and us as his subjects entering into or coming into a place of that power. Um, last text tonight, and then we'll, we'll, we'll call it good, is uh, another little thing that Jesus spoke to his followers And he said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and these things will be given to you as well. So, again, I think he's not saying seek a location, but seek his power. And it's in reference to potentially seeking other things, which we know what those are, whether it's wealth, popularity, fame, whatever. He says, you know, don't seek those things. Seek the power of God in your life. And when you have that, those things will come naturally. They, they will be given to you. Seek first God's kingdom. There's, there's a righteousness that comes with that. There really is. It's, it's a transformational power. When we come into that, that place of, of relationship with him and we enter into that kingdom, it's transformational. He says, seek that first, and you won't have to really worry about anything else. So next week we'll continue, and we'll, we'll talk a little more about the kingdom. But I want us to take the last few minutes tonight and uh, and pray. So, uh, thank you, gentlemen. Let's uh, just close your eyes and pray with me f- f- for a moment, if you would. Lord, we um, we come before you tonight, and we ask, uh, we pray, as you instructed us to, that your kingdom would come that your will would be done. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand up. So, Lord, we, uh, we pray for those who are in need of a touch of God tonight, that your kingdom would come into their lives. We ask for any who are sick, Lord, that you would bring your kingdom and heal them. We ask for those who are weary, Lord, that your kingdom would come and refresh them and renew their spirits. We ask for those who are brokenhearted tonight, Lord God, that you would fill their hearts with love and expectation. We ask for those, Lord God, who are hopeless, that you would breathe the power of God, the kingdom of God, the hope, of uh, a renewed life in you in, into their very being by your spirit tonight, Lord Jesus. That the broken hearts would be mended, that the weary and weak would be lifted up, that the sick would be healed, that, that those who are in strife and anxiety would find the peace of the kingdom of God, that they would trust the ruler, the king, to watch over them and care for all the circumstances of life. You know, my sense is that there are some of us who are so overwhelmed with the circumstances of life, uh, we wonder who's in control. So I'm just going to ask you to lift your hands as though you receive, especially if that's your situation, and just allow the Spirit of God to come and begin to make His presence known with you tonight. Fill you up.
Come, Holy Spirit. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come.